0: Hello and welcome to The Hurt Take. I am your host, as always, the iron-chinned Reese Dobigan. I want to thank you for joining me for another round. Round 21, going strong. Kind of in a funny little week here. No UFC card this weekend. The biggest UFC card of the year. The weekend following this one, technically I guess you can call it a UFC card, even though it's a boxing card, but their sacred cow, their prized possession, Conor McGregor, is fighting Floyd Mayweather, so it might as well be a UFC card. So this week is all about Conor McGregor prepping for his big showdown. With money. Both of them just had their media day recently. Showing off for the cameras. Naturally. In the MMA space. In the MMA sphere. Conor McGregor. that the lion's share of the headlines. But curiously. It's less about. Floyd and Conor. And more about. Floyd and Pauly. I don't know what that says. I I'm, you got to think that Connor is more focused on Floyd internally within his camp. I doubt that he's lost any kind of focus, but it is interesting that so much of the attention he's getting publicly is all about Pauly, Magdalene, But hey, that's what Floyd... That's what Floyd... Pfft. That's what Connor does. He just creates headlines everywhere he goes. Everything he says, McGregor does, the law of compounding returns. Everything he says makes his next payday bigger. Everything he does makes his next payday bigger. Everything rolls and snowballs into something bigger and bigger and bigger. And this, he's done it again with Pauly, Magdalene, He set up his next boxing match. Just like that. Just like that. It's amazing what McGregor can do. How well he can promote himself. Set up paydays. He's truly one of a kind. Truly. I think if I had to put it a certain way, I think I'd probably put it, there's only one Conor McGregor, and there's no fighter better. And he's going to knock out Floyd Mayweather. So Floyd, watch out, because the Irish are coming. You can talk all you want, but you'll do nothing. (laughs) Mitch Constantine, an Irish musician, went viral. That's the chorus from his song. Conor McGregor has turned into a folk hero. He's had songs written about him now. This is the second one I've known of. Has has? I mean, we've never seen something like Conor McGregor. I cannot think of a sports figure who has really transcended their sport and jumped into all these other arenas. You know, I guess Peyton Manning, but even Peyton Manning was within the NFL sphere, largely didn't break out from that. He just kind of was part of the biggest, most powerful sports organization in, in, in America, Muhammad Ali would be a good example, but Conor McGregor is a unique cultural touching point as a person, totally fascinating, so let's talk about it, what, what happened this week in the world of Conor McGregor in the lead up to this fight, well, here's the big thing, Floyd, or Paulie Magdalenaji claimed that during their sparring, you know, the, the 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 picture that he was upset was released of him on the ground and Conor over him. He said it was bad form, that he didn't get knocked down, he got pushed. Well, Dana White, as he is wont to do, threw someone under the bus, and it was Paulie Magdalenaji. He released the video in question. It's like the Zapruder film or something of the combat sports world, really People have now been analyzing it from every angle they can possibly look at it. Did he get pushed? Was it a shove? What did he get caught? I mean, really. Just look at the video. Polly's trying to slip a couple punches. He takes some. He he does. He gets hit. It looks like he kind of stumbles, loses his balance. Maybe that was because his 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 equilibrium was off, maybe because that, that was just he lost his balance, maybe it was because a little nice shove, who knows, either way, he hit the mat, and it does not look good for him, but really, who cares, what does this matter, you could spin this video whichever direction you want, based on your bias, Magi clearly looked out of shape, and was not really an ideal sparring partner, he didn't look great, he kind of had a bit of a soft, around the midsection, so... You know, meanwhile, McGregor is in the middle of his camp, so he blasted him, of course. That's what would happen. Does it mean McGregor is going to beat Mayweather? Of course not. It means that he's not a novice. It means that he will be competitive. But I don't think that anyone thought, outside of the boxing realm, the guys who are somewhat in denial about this, Max Kellermans of the world, who think he won't lay a single hand on Floyd, I mean... This just means that Conor will be able to stand in there and be competitive. But that doesn't mean he will win. That doesn't mean that he will look good. That doesn't mean that his level of com- competition, how much he will threaten Floyd, will be that significant. McGregor essentially brought Magellan Adjie in to beat him up. Brought him in to beat him up. Why not? Why not? So, I think the only thing if I were to try and glean any information as it relates to the fight from this, McGregor's movement looked excellent, you know, but he's such an organic fighter and moves so well in relation to his opponent you know he really does have the best hands that i I can think of in the most applicable stand up game to a boxer, you know a lot of the the elite uh, boxers, not even the elite, a lot of the lower level guys, guys who have been doing it their whole lives, they build up a very naturalistic, um, organic punching style. They can adjust their feet, they can adjust their punching um, mechanics, their, um, you know, where they deliver a punch from. Whereas in MMA, it's a lot of guys are just trained to throw a punch a certain way. McGregor clearly does not operate like that. He can throw a punch any angle he wants he can adjust in relation to where his opponent's you know body is their head movement very organic but look at some of that video of mcgregor's bad work Ooh, not so good not so good but then hey you could argue that all he's doing is hitting a pad fine he's hitting a pad once he gets in there he's going to blast mayweather I, some something tells me that that McGregor not looking good on the pads is not a good sign for all sorts of other kinds of reasons. You know, in the same video, his footwork is absolutely sublime. You can see what a natural athlete he is. His movement is incredible. He's very, very light on his feet. And so I, and that's always been a strength of his in MMA. So I, I see him being able to move and maneuver around the ring and get his hands on Floyd, but boy, do, do I see that killer shot happening? Do I see that holding up for 12 rounds? No, I, I don't. I don't. I think, I think he's got other things working against him, and they will play out. But back to Magdalena Naji, the biggest thing to take from this situation between McGregor and Magdalena Naji is, is McGregor once again has used another person to make himself look good publicly. He's used another fighter as a stepping stone to looking good to the public, to building his public image. McGregor is the master of this. He's done it to so many UFC fighters, and now he's done it to Pauli. And, Majinazzy was on the MMA Hour and says he and McGregor have to fight to settle their beef. Look at that. That's all McGregor has to do. I mean, I guess this will be a good payday for for Majinazzy, but will it be that much more significant than when he was the champion, a champion in boxing? I, I, I don't know. I haven't looked at the numbers, but some tells me it's not going to be that more significant. So, what is he really getting out of this? He he is essentially helping pick up McGregor and get McGregor another big payday in boxing, where that's where the big money is. That's where it's traditionally been. The pay grade in, at the upper end, tier end of boxing, is higher in, MMA, in boxing than in MMA. Magdalene Najee should have been smarter than this. He should have known what he was up against. Instead, he walks into McGregor's gym out of shape against a guy who was not going to take it easy on him or treat him like a normal sparring partner. McGregor called his shot too. This wasn't some surprise. You know, when when McGregor accompanied Irish boxer uh, Michael Conlan to his fight in March, he was screaming at the media about he uh, about how he owns boxing. And Maschinazi should have been ready for this. But what is it what is that what does this all mean? What you know What are we seeing here? We're seeing McGregor. We're seeing McGregor almost transition over to this, to more of a boxing star. Like, he says he wants to keep boxing and fighting in MMA at the same time. But what does that mean? This is McGregor fighting Mayweather. This is McGregor and and putting Majley Najee on the spot. And this is Conor McGregor putting the ethic of boxing on notice. This is a referendum on the sport of boxing. You know, it's one of the biggest plot lines that that we're not being talking about is is what would a McGregor victory against Floyd Mayweather actually mean? You know, I've made it clear I don't think he will win. But if he did, what would that do to the two sports of boxing and MMA? Could this represent the turning point between the two? You know, for boxing has become a niche sport. While MMA has been creeping into the mainstream more and more and more. It, it is the more marketable, promotable, it fits more into the way that the public consumes their sports and their content. MMA has grown up in that world. Boxing has not. Boxing is niche. Ever since that, the void that has been left by the Tysons of the world, boxing is really only where the money is, but it's not where the eyeballs are. So what would a loss by Floyd Mayweather mean? What would a victory for Conor McGregor mean? I feel like this is a much bigger question than just that. I don't even have enough time to talk about it. But I am so ex- interested to see. Part, part, of me, part of me hopes that McGregor wins. This is the reason that I hope McGregor wins this fight, is to see the, the sheer crumbling of the order of things as we understand it and what lies beneath that. I don't know. I think it's going to be a fascinating thing. And I can't wait. August 26th. Looking forward to it. I'm not believing the hype. Not believing the hype, but I'm believing the hype. This is what McGregor does to you, people. This is what he does. In other news, Daniel Cormier made his first media appearance since his loss to John Jones. Uh, He appeared on the MMA Hour. A few notable comments were he said he couldn't remember about 10 minutes of that night after he was knocked out. I think if if any if we had any indication that it was as violent a knockout as it looked that that's it. I mean it was really vicious. that really puts John Jones into context just how powerful he actually is cuz that was a ferocious finish If you ever need to think, you know, I wonder if John Zones has knockout power. Yeah. Yeah. He has some serious knockout power. You do not want that guy posting up on you, riding you, teeing you up with punches. That would not be a good day. <laughs> uh, Cormier also said he's going to sit out the rest of 2017, which... I- probably wouldn't be up to him anyways considering that he can't remember 10 minutes of that night that would be a very serious concussion you'd hope that he wouldn't do anything for the rest of the year but and lastly he says he feels he could fight john jones again that they're they're going to be on track for a third fight ah, uh, that last point is a big sticking point i mean i don't know about that <laughs> The, the, the only way that that could happen is at heavyweight. That's the only way. I'd, maybe there would be a desire to see Cormier Jones 3, but, I mean, if the question going into the second fight was so much about how a second loss, about how that fight and a second loss would define Cormier's legacy, how he had to beat John Jones, we have that answer. We have that answer. It's been definitive. Twice it's been definitive. So the only way to to write a new version of the script to take the narrative to a different level is going up to a division in which Cormier dominated and Jones is, is not as experienced. And of course, the only way that that narrative would continue is if Jones gets up to that level, theoretically, fights Brock Lesnar, maybe fight steep Amy has a belt and then he has to fight Cormier who has come back up to the division looked great and then they fight and so by that point it's really just about the same story John Jones is a champion and Cormier is trying to take his belt they're just in a different division so a third fight would almost it would have to be at heavyweight there's no other way that that fight would make much sense but crazier things have happened people pay if people pay and that's what the fans want to see that's what the fans want to see but i don't think that the fans we want to see that fight at light heavyweight again it's the same script we don't want to see that movie again you know it's it's like it's the ending of the godfather 2 do you need a more definitive ending it's over we don't need the godfather 3 George St. Pierre was on the MMA Hour as well. Some interesting comments. He said that if he were to win the middleweight title from Michael Bisping, that he is contractually obligated to defend it. This is very very interesting, uh, considering the many hints his team kind of left before his return, about wanting to fight Conor McGregor, about wanting big fights, etc., so clearly, George St. Pierre's ambitions were in a different place. You know, uh, GSP admitted that that his aspirations lay elsewhere. So the UFC is contractually obligating him and saying, hey, if you win the middleweight belt, you've got to defend it. you got to step up and you got to keep that belt, that division turning over. So it's smart on the UFC's part. To include that des- that designation because of the, you know just look at the total chaos that th- that has been the division in the last couple years. And think of the the chaos that GSP winning the belt and then not choosing to defend it would have caused the division. You know, imagine GSP winning the belt after the way Bisbing controversially defended slash not defended it. You'd have Whittaker, an injured Whittaker, who might not fight again till summer, next year, twenty eighteen. So he would be an interim champion. In a division with a non-defending champion, likely then they would make him full champion if GSP were to not defend his belt, and they just give him the full distinction, take off the interim title. Whittaker would this would out would be without Whittaker having beaten the man who had held that belt before. But then what if Whitaker couldn't come back? Then they don't maybe they give an interim distinction to someone else, and then you have total chaos. Total chaos. Also interesting, uh, GSP says he's walking around at 198 pounds. That's up from his welterweight days. He walked around at 186. You know, at, at his height, he's gonna that's about the size of a that's a good-sized NFL cornerback right there. So compared to how big he looked beside Bisping at that press conference earlier this year, that's a good size. That's a good size. Clearly he needed the time that he said he needed. Part of the reason that all of this chaos, all of this, he said, she said, Dana White's taking away the fight. And then all this stuff, clearly George St. Pierre needed the time to to get to that size. So here's hoping it has an impact. Here's hoping it hasn't taken away any of that athleticism or that explosion that really made George St. Pierre who he was elsewhere in the middleweight division we also have the makings of two former middleweight champions maybe going at it in a rematch in which neither one has the belt anymore. Luke Rockhold was asked about possibly tangling with Chris Weidman. you know Weidman is currently without a fight. After toppling Kelvin Gastelum, but Rockhold is fighting former two division World Series of Champ- World Series of Fighting champion David Branch. You know that fight in particular is a bit. I, I do feel badly for Rockhold because Branch didn't really make a stirring return to the UFC, uh, and he doesn't really give Rockhold much of a stepping stone um, in terms of a high profile fight or a high profile opponent to leverage into a more marketable fight down the road and and being able to promote himself better down the road. So, I think a win and a rematch with Weidman, if he were to beat Branch, would be an ideal selling point for him. I would watch that fight. I would watch a rematch of that. You know? It was a very close fight up until the time Weidman made that, that big mistake with the spinning wheel kick and Rockhold took him down and just brutalized him on the ground. So it, that would be a fight I would want to see. You know, but again, the state of the middleweight division, it's kind of funny that that would feel like a fight that two years ago when it actually happened, now we we have an all over again. It's like the division just hit a reset button and for two years was just totally out of sorts and the only thing to come out of it was Robert Whittaker. You know? Now, you gotta love that when he was asked about a fight with Weidman. Rockhold was super blunt and just said, for his sake, I hope not. Mm. Ouch. That stings. That, That hurts. Oy. Now as a final note, because we're a Canadian podcast, we gotta talk about Canadian content here, baby. UFC 216 in Edmonton got its fight poster, and it is awful. Oh, it is! It is totally hurt. It is as generic as it gets. Just so generic. You've got Nunez, Savchenko, Gray, DJ, and Borg. Oh, that's nice. Dos Santos and Nganu all just staring on on the poster. Just staring. Staring at what? Staring at nothing. It's got that blue hazy whatever with the date and the name. and the... There's zero creativity to it. It's the most boring fight. It looks like a fight poster from 2008. This, the UFC is pretty clearly just treading water with UFC 216. Putting together two of their least liked and least marketed champions. Hoping to combine their audiences and keep their buy rate at a reasonable level. Uh, It should do better than the recent Romero-Whitaker card, which did an absolutely paltry, I think it was 185,000 buys, which is a really low buy rate. It it should do better than that. I would be surprised if it cracked 250, came close to 300. That's, That's where I would think. But check out Dave Meltzer. Great great writer, great cover, um, um great analyst of, of UFC pay-per-view buy rates and things like that for see what he, he's gotta say. I definitely will, but uh but as the first UFC card post McGregor, uh that McGregor Floyd Mayweather fight, this will be the first pay-per-view after that one. This was likely to be the scenario no matter who was headlining the card, because it's kind of a hangover card. It's kind of a hangover card. Every single possible UFC fan will have been watching or bought the Mayweather-McGregor card, and this is the one that will really just bring in the the hardcores, the MMA fans, that, that ilk. So it's kind of a hangover card. They're not going to bring in many casual fans. I doubt it at least. I think the, it's so disappointing looking at this poster, really, considering that the history that is on the line, that Demetrius Johnson is going to break a UFC record for consecutive title defenses. I am shocked that there was no mention of that on the poster. Shocked. I think that's... You want to see an example of how the UFC is not trying to market Demetrius Johnson? Look no further. Look no further. Some pe- it's the chicken or the egg situation. Some people say, "Oh well, Demetrius doesn't sell; he's not a marketable fighter." It's it's he he's it fights in the small guy division. You can't market those people, really. Well, I would say that unless you've tried some different things, how do you really know? How how can you really predict that you can't market? Nobody thought that the one forty ers were really marketable until Conor McGregor showed up, and all of a sudden you could market them. I mean, this is—it's right there, on their lap. It is history in the making. I what what could be a more important record in their promotion than this? I can't think of another thing that would be more important. No, I mean. You know, number of belts, one, McGregor's got two in two divisions, but that doesn't happen. And when it does happen, they immediately kind of pull that title away, so it's really not that important. But defending that belt consecutively, as many possible times, that is the most important record that I can think of. And they're not even mentioning it on the poster. Crazy to me. Crazy to me. But hey, that's the UFC. That's MMA. Just pure crazy, ca- crazy shit. That's why we love it. And that's why it's not your daddy's sport. It's why your cousins look at you funny when you tell them you watch mixed martial arts. It's why your wife rolls her eyes when you say you're going out to see the boys to watch some UFC. So it's reality. It's what we live with. So live with it for another week and join me again next week. We're going to try and get, we're going to try and get an old friend on the show. See if he's in town. Just going to tease that. I have been your host, Reese Dobegan. And you have been listening to the MMA podcast by the fans for the fans. I am out.